This is an ABC podcast. Thursday the 24th of June, this is Corbin and Ben, ABC Sport from 5pm Monday and Thursday right here on ABC Sport Digital and you can catch up anytime in the podcast store under the best of Grandstand Folder. It's been happening this week in the AFL, we've got two teams yanked out of Sydney, based in Melbourne, there's a new case in Melbourne today, which is a returning traveller from Sydney, there's more cases in Sydney. That's a whole other talking point, but we'll sort of drill down on the AFL particularly today on what it means for our competition. Jason McCartney's going to join us, footy boss of the GWS Giants, who are based in Melbourne for the next couple of weeks. And we're going to go a bit broad too. The Kiwis winning the World Test Championship. We'll have some Olympics chat, a little bit of NFL, a little bit of NBA, and the best news breaker in footy all on the way. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. Ben Cameron is out on the West Coast. Hello, Ben. Ah, Corb, I'm glad you mentioned the World Test Championship because one of our loyal listeners brought something to my attention. And I want to come in hot today and take you back to Monday afternoon on this very show. Uh, There's three days to go with the Reserve Day able to be called upon, but unfortunately it feels like we're headed towards joint champions in the ultimate test. I don't think so. Not just you yet, don't think Corbin. so. I think New Zealand can still extract a result out of this. We've got okay. three days to go, Corbin. Yep. Right again. Right again, Corbin. New Zealand able to extract a result and claim the World Test Championship. What can I say, Ben? You're unbelievable at predicting the weather. I think it's your roots. I think it's the fact that you, <laughs> your grandmother from England, your, your dad is from Scotland, and your mum's from New Zealand. So I think your family heritage, Ben, you've been able to predict the weather correctly. So I'll give you credit for, for that front, that you, you knew that it wouldn't rain for long enough, that they squeezed three and a half days of cricket out in six days. I'll give you credit for that at least. Uh, We'll talk Mm. more about that a little later in the show. The best newsbreaker in footy is with us off the top from his spiritual home down in Geelong. We call him the Maasai. Mitch Cleary is with us again on Corbin and Ben, ABC Sport. G'day, Mitch. G'day, boys. Just thought I'd come down with the borders lifted outside of Metro Melbourne. I will say one thing, though, Ben. Corbin can predict a lot of things in sport, world, mm. politics, but cricket uh, oh, cricket predictions no. aren't his thing. I remember having a good chat with him through a few Ashes tests over the journey, and uh, he leaves a little to be desired in that department. Mm. Can you just uh, run me back through that, Mitch? I think it was when um, Ben Stokes was just plundering no. the Australian attack that Corbin no, was, earlier, was adamant. It was earlier than that in the series. This was the first test, wasn't it, Mitch? It was. You said Nathan Lyon couldn't bowl Australia to victory. He went on to do that. So uh, at least I'll have that over you forever. How good is it now? We're turning off our mm. conversations on air. So, but uh, no, that's good. That'll that'll come back at some stage for sure. Uh, mm. Mitch, I know I, I did listen to Robert Harvey's press conference today, and I heard a familiar voice uh, in the background. It was yours. So you were there uh, asking a few questions to the caretaker coach of the Collingwood Football Club. What did Robert Harvey have to say? I was hoping he was going to... Uh, reveal his plans for the top job, Corbin, but he stopped short of, of doing exactly that. He said he's not going to use the next nine weeks as a pitch for Nathan Buckley's uh, replacement in the permanent position, but says he's taking it as an opportunity to grow himself as a coach. I think he'd love to put his hand up for this job, but I think Robert Harvey uh, is, a, is a long way away from what the Pies want and what they will appoint 
as Nathan Buckley's replacement. Said he'll uh, tweak a few things with their game plan. They want to play a little bit more attacking. He's going to bleed a few of his ideas through the group. And uh, they're going to have a couple of changes. Brody Grundy and Taylor Adams both ticked off from training today to return in his first game as coach. Ironically, against a man he used to share a coaching box with, Justin Longmuir, who will coach the Dockers in their game at the MCG on Saturday. Mitch, where does it stand exactly with Collingwood's search for their next coach as yet? Has there been any moving of the needle? I spoke to their chief executive, Mark Anderson, today, Ben. He, he said that they're going to wait until early next week to appoint the final member on their subcommittee. I'm sure they'll be putting the feelers out to agents and prospective candidates uh, informally in, in the last couple of days or, or weeks. But in terms of their official subcommittee and the formal process, that's going to wait until next week. I think that might be just to give Robert Harvey a bit of clean air when he takes the, the job um, for the first time on Saturday. But... Uh, I'm sure this this will start to pick up, and, and I know as you guys have spoken about, it's really fascinating now with Carlton in the midst of its own review how the uh, how quickly that timeline is uh, is sped up. Big ins for the Eagles, Mitch. Yeah, four massive ins. Luke Shuey back from that hamstring, first time in uh, a couple of months. Tim Kelly's back, as well as Jeremy McGovern and Brad Shepherd from concussion. So massive ins for against the Western Bulldogs side on Sunday. Ben, I know you'll be there, but uh, Aaron Norton looks set to be ticked off from that rib injury. Was subbed out against Geelong. Was some doubt whether he would fly, but has been in quarantine with his teammates this week at the Jundalup Resort, and he looks set to return. That'll be a mouthwatering matchup, McGovern v Norton. Where are they staying, Mitch? Jundalup. I'm sure you're going to correct me. <laughs> How do they say it over there, Ben? Close. Uh, Jundalup Resort. That's not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> oh, Jundalup, not bad. Jundalup's not, bad. not too far away. Not bad. Mitch, I have a lot of issues with small country towns near Geelong when people SMS in <laughs> listening to uh, Grandstand AFL. So I feel your pain. Uh, beautiful golf course out there at Jundalup as well. Uh, we've got a debutante at Richmond. Mitch, and he's come a long way from the coach uh, not knowing which of his names comes first. We didn't know who Samson Ryan was as a few months ago, Ben, but he was also the player he wanted to put up for a prospective mm. mid-season trade period. So he threw his name up as a player that Gold Coast could look at when we remember that Gold Coast had a stack of injuries to their ruck department. They said, well, this kid's a Queenslander. They plucked him out last year as a 19-year-old. He'd be the perfect option to, to play for the Suns. Now he's actually going to play for Richmond on Friday night at the MCG against St Kilda. It is a big turnaround, but Toby Dan Curvis is still injured. We know Ivan Soldo is out for the season. The Tigers have been really keen, Ben, to uh, try this ruck option with three key forwards, so Marby or Chol, Callum Coleman-Jones and Jack Royal will be those three uh, tall forwards in attack. So let's see how that goes. They have got a different option for Dan Rioli. He's stuck in the VFL. He's going to play off half-back this week to try and uh, free him up and give him a different option. Uh, as I speak of debutants at Port Adelaide as well, Dylan Williams, he was a, a young uh, pick-up a couple of seasons ago. He's had to bide his time, but he's the, the replacement for Robbie Gray for the power this weekend as well. Mitch, what about some spice in Tasmanian Parliament today. We love it when question time is used for childish behaviour. Or maybe this is more mature behaviour, given some <laughs> of the standards in, uh, in Parliament at times. Well, Tony Cochran hasn't been short of a statement on Tasmania's uh, wish for a 19th AFL licence. Said they're a long way away and shouldn't be considered. Well, the Tasmanian you know, Premier, Peter Goodwin, today... Bit back, he's expecting Tony Cochran to be in Tassie this week. Uh, the Suns played North Melbourne at uh, at Hobart's Bell Reeve Oval. 
He wants the Tasmanians to boo him when, he, when they see him on screen. And he also <laughs> invited him to a kickoff at halftime of that game. So I'd love to see that Tony Cochran <laughs> down on the green stuff in a kickoff against the, the Tasmanian Premier. I don't mind it, using a bit of question time to, uh, to bring a few headlines to the footy. We need to turn up on Saturday and demonstrate that we have a real passion for the game. It's just a, a little slice of, uh, of some of that. Uh, the fixture, Mitch, which uh, I know you're not a big fixture guy, not as much as myself and Brett Sprigg, who love to know every game and where it's played and in what time slot. But um, what does it mean for the fixture in round 16? So we're about to enter round 15. Um, we still don't know what happens the week after. Yeah, well, I thought I wouldn't come on this show without a fixture update. Cause I know you, both of you guys, especially Spriggy as well, do enjoy this. This, so next week, they want to try the Thursday night again. So they've committed to that, as far as I know, between now and the Olympics uh, as part of the Channel 7 broadcasting. They want to continue with Thursday night as, as well as Friday night. So there's only three options to play the Thursday and Friday night games because of uh, the, the tight turnaround from games this week. So Richmond and Gold Coast is an option to be played on Thursday night. That's scheduled to be played at Metricon Stadium. That would be a massive fill-up for Gold Coast, given how well they're going. And then you've got Geelong and Essendon to be considered as well. Uh, Collingwood play St Kilda, both of those teams out of the running for the top eight as it stands, so that might be pushed back to later in the week. So there's a few options for that Thursday night game. Uh, expecting Geelong and Essendon to be played on the Friday night game, that's a big game uh, for for Channel 7, um, given how well Essendon's going and, and how well they rated in the, uh, the game last week against Hawthorne. So just a couple of things, but the clubs are getting a little bit restless. They want to know because uh, they don't usually leave it the week of to announce the, uh, the whole fixture for the upcoming round. Yeah, that, that's down in Geelong too, isn't it? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Been, what, haven't been there since 93? I think it was the last time the Bombers played down at Cadenia Park. So it'd be Good a omen. Big occasion, yeah, absolutely, down at, uh, at Cadenia Park. Mitch, a couple off script for you. Two coaches under the pump. Is David Teague coaching for his career Sunday afternoon against the Crows at Docklands? Whether it's this week or next, whether David Teague, a call was made on him, I can't see him coaching Carlton next year if they lose this week. Whether, the, whether a call is made straight away, but there is no way he can go to 4-10 and 10 and have that job, the way I read it, with that history mm-hmm. of that footy club. They've changed their timelines before. Remember Brendan Bolton? We all He had the backing of the, the board, and it's the same. This is the same uh, administration that, that pointed him. So that is, that is a game I'm really keen to see the outcome of on, on Sunday. And I guess the same question, is Stuart due? Give him a little bit more time, only because they've committed to a bit of a mini-rebuild over the last two years. They've got the youngest list age-wise and experience-wise. But, geez, time is ticking now, especially given Tony mm. Cochran has conceded that the pressure is on. But I think there's a little bit more breathing space for Stewie Jew. Oh, we're working the game Sunday together. It's going to be fascinating viewing whatever happens, Carlton and Adelaide at Docklands. It won't be under the roof. Rain expected and the roof will be open. So it'll be a fascinating watch on Sunday. Mitch, we'll hear you on Grandstand AFL across the weekend. Hopefully the rain stays away. I'm, not, I'm on the boundary. Yes. So. <laughs> Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Mitch, we'll chat to you soon. Mitch Cleary uh, f- uh, on part of our team on Grandstand AFL. you hear him on the weekend. Bring your rain jacket, Mitch. Mm. You'll be getting wet uh, down there on the boundary on the weekend. Can I just chuck a couple at you, Ben, uh, stories during the week? Obviously, the Tasmanian push got a lot of coverage this week. Where do you think Tassie are in their bid for a 19th team? Did what happened last weekend uh, aid their cause? It did. But one thing that I think is constantly overlooked is the power of Essendon globally, uh, not globally, but nationwide, due to the foresight of Kevin Sheedy. As you know, Corbin, Mm -hmm. as a junior bombardier or whatever you were wearing your sash, the Mosquito Fleet, 
getting around. They held clinics in every city, and what they did is they established a fan base that is far greater than just reaching the northern suburbs of Victoria and, and reaches out to the entirety of the country. So I think we saw a little bit of that down in Tasmania. But, yeah, it, it's growing momentum. It, you know it, it's, it's gaining steam. We should have spoken about this on Monday. Do you know what I think it showed me on Sunday more than anything, Ben, is that when people are invested and you're able to actually capture the hearts and minds that there is such an appetite for footy in Tasmania. Mm. And that had probably been lost a little bit given that Hawthorne were on the way and they've sort of been force-fed both Hawthorne and North Melbourne. But people that barracked for Essendon that are engaged in the game went there in big numbers and it was sold out early and they showed that they had an appetite for it. So if you gave them their own team with their own colours in that market, I have no doubt that the team would be a raging success. They need and that they've been sort of promised the whole way through that the, the state government will support it. They need a better stadium. So whether that's in the north or the south of the state, you need a stadium. And I agree with Eddie Maguire's comments a few weeks ago. It needs to have a roof on it. So you need to have a stadium that's protected from the conditions. Unfortunately, if you're going to play games at Belrave Oval or on the Derwin or anywhere else, um, unfortunately, given the climate in Tasmania and that part of the world, it, it needs to be somewhat well, that's protected, not coming cheap. protected from the elements. Yeah, but if... If you say, hey, we'll give you a footy team, we need a new stadium, you can make it happen. Mm. I think – and people say, oh, well, yeah, but what about their original teams? People in Tasmania barrack for other clubs. They did the same thing in Perth and they did the same thing in Adelaide. Yeah, Before I agree the, with that. the Eagles and the, and the Crows came along, you give them a team that they can be proud of and get behind, and I have no doubt that um, a 19th team will work. I'm also not against the buy. Like, people are saying, oh, we need to have an even amount of teams. Where's the 20th side going to come from? What's wrong with having 19 teams? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't subscribe to that opinion. I, I don't necessarily think it needs a roof. If you've got a certain, amount of, if you've got a certain amount of capital that the Tasmanian government can provide, mm-hmm. a fair chunk of that would get chewed up in trying to build... A stadium but with a stadiums, roof on it. Yeah, but stadiums aren't that, – that's not how they do finances on that front. They, they never recover cost. They wouldn't recover mm. the cost band for the stadium in Perth. But it's not so much about that. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's written off on what it means for tourism and everything else to do with the state that they'll benefit from it in, in so many other ways. Um, I, I'd, you need a better venue. You can't just have a games band that are so impacted by the weather that, you know, there's sort of the heavy scoring end. and I, I, It's too old school that you need to have a, a proper world-class facility, I think, for them to play at. Uh, Jake Stringer, Ben, what's his worth if you were oh, Essendon? I'm a firm believer that the biggest mistake you can make in a salary cap league is overpaying a player. I wouldn't get too carried away with what I'm going to pay Jake Stringer, as was evidenced broadly across the football shows on Monday night and has been mm-hmm. widely discussed, he doesn't do it quite consistently enough to command the real upper echelon of contracts for me. Yeah. I'd be thinking 600 tops. I wouldn't want to go too much higher than that. Mm. Where do you the... land on it? Yeah, around that. Around that. I'm happy to spread his money out over four years. If he mm. wants security... And you say, look, mate, we'll need you to take a bit of a haircut. How about we pay you four fifty over four years as opposed to, you know, five fifty, six hundred over three or whatever the math works out. I wouldn't I wouldn't be against that. I think he's a he's a game winner and there's sort of very few of those in the competition. I, I think thinking- he gets but people that say stuff like oh he's a barometer or he comes and goes, he's poor in other weeks, well, you know, not every player can be a star every week because otherwise you're in the top sort of elite bracket in the competition. But guys that can bob up and when they play their best, they make the difference on any given Sunday. That is an unbelievable 
um, trait to have, and, and Stringer fits into that category. He's had a better I'd, year than Jordan Degoe. He's out. Yeah, he's I'd be looking superb. to heavily incentivise it. Okay. So yep. he's a guy that, you know, he, he came back out of shape at the start of last year, Corbin, so you do need to, to keep him hungry. Players always have these kinds of we years don't. in walk, walk years. We don't Is that to... a coincidence? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I was, I was going to go somewhere else. I won't there. The last question I asked Mitch, Teagan, um, Jew, are they coaching for their careers in the run home? I think David Teague is, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure. I think Stuart Jew might just have a smidgen longer, but um, I think if David Teague – I agree with Mitch. If David Teague loses this weekend, even if they don't make the call in the immediate aftermath, I think there will be a realisation from the Collingwood uh, – sorry, the Carlton Power Brokers – the Teague train has reached the end of the line. Uh, this is Corbin and Ben, ABC Sport. Catch up anytime in the podcast store under the best of grandstand folder. And, of course, uh, you can hear us live record this uh, on ABC Sport Digital Monday and Thursday from 5. I'm going to throw one at you. I found this very interesting. You know I'm fascinated with Ross Lyon, Corbin. Yes. And I listen very intently to what he says on Footy Classified. Now, a couple of weeks ago, it was... Uh, Look, if Collingwood came calling, you know, of course I'd take their call. There's only 18 jobs. Last Wednesday, uh, his tone had changed significantly. Prelim, grand final, famous final. He's had to carry a 23-year president, a, a leadership vacuum of the club leave, list manager depart in turbulent circumstances, foot, Walsh, football operations manager, and the board challenge. And he's had to carry that, handle his players... Injuries and departures, I think it, it's a silly decision. He still, and to say he couldn't do the next three to five years, not the right person for the rebuild, I don't understand it. He's just, all the rough edges are smoothed off him. He's ready to go. But I've held my line on that for a while. So that was Ross Lyon speaking about Nathan Buckley and his departure. I think before that, on a regular radio slot, he'd all but ruled himself out from Collingwood. Mm-hmm. I just find the, the difference in the, uh, the tone and language fascinating, Corbin, from, of course, I'd take their call to the board is silly. Why did they get rid of him? Do you think maybe he did take their call or he took someone else's call to say that maybe we're not looking at Ross Lyon? I think he might have taken a call that yep. suggested that perhaps he wasn't the guy. And, uh, yeah, I think that maybe led to where we arrived at. This is Corbin and Ben, ABC Sport, tonight right here on ABC Sport Digital or on ABC Radio throughout the southern states. What a way to start round 15 of the AFL Premiership season. The Brisbane Lions and Geelong, it's a rematch of last year's preliminary final. And, of course, you can hear it all here tonight. And on Sunday, it's State of Origin. 50 points to six. Can Queensland stop the Blues? Get to Dylan Prill, the weighted turbo comb. He's over between the sticks. Will the home ground advantage help the Maroons? Jerry Evans away to Munster. Gives it to Capewell. Capewell's dummy. And Craig Capewell over. The 2021 State of Origin Series on Grandstand Rugby League. On your radio, ABC Sport Digital Radio and on the ABC Listen app. This weekend, Ben, you know I'm doing this every week. If we had a top ten instead of a top eight and an alternate universe, which hopefully we'll get to one day, perhaps with a 19th team in the competition, these are the games that would matter a little more this weekend. The Richmond Football Club up against St Kilda, so it's 8th versus 13th. 
What you need to keep in mind, it's not just about positions 9 and 10 with my revamped ladder. You need to get in the top six to actually earn the week off. So that is uh, important for positioning for Richmond and St Kilda. Still mathematically a chance to play finals with nine to go. Collingwood and Fremantle's has, uh, Fremantle has ramifications because the Dockers would be in the hitting zone to clinch one of those wildcard spots. Essendon are right there trying to defend it. They play Melbourne on Saturday night. GWS are currently in ninth position. They could make their way into the eight this weekend. So that's an interesting game regardless of whether we have a top eight or a, a top ten. And Carlton and Adelaide, all of a sudden the Crows band, if they can get themselves to be a six-win team, they could be in position uh, 10 by the end of the weekend if, or they probably need a, a little percentage boost, but certainly still has ramifications on the makeup of the top 10. So this is what we're pushing for on the run home, or at least I am, a top 10 system. Uh, top two gets two home finals and the week off. Top four gets a home final, a double chance. Top six... You get the home final and the week off. Top eight, you just get the home final. You're playing that wild card game. And then positions nine and ten are still live. It's not just that the two teams at the end of the year get rewarded. It's about all these other sort of mini blockbusters that you get along the way that are more interesting than what they would be ordinarily in a top eight system where you would look at the fixture this weekend and think, oh, there's a couple of dud games. I've actually eliminated all by one game, which is probably the North Melbourne Gold Coast game as having an impact on what would be the top 10. And even that game's interesting based on obviously the pressure that, that Stuart Jew's under and, and Tony Cochran making his way down to, uh, to Hobart on Saturday. I've got that game on the weekend. Welcome to Corbin's AFL. It's like junior sport where everyone gets a ribbon. Oh, please. There's so much to be excited about, Ben. It's, it's more interesting games the whole way through rather than in your world where we just sort of put a line through half the games before they even take place. Mm. Bit of imagination, Ben, just... Try and engage certain parts of your mind. <laughs> uh, the two Sydney teams have relocated. So there's now 12 teams out of an 18-team competition currently based out of Melbourne. Uh, fingers crossed for our friends in Sydney that things are on the up and up there. Jason McCartney, North Melbourne champ, footy boss of the Giants, joins us on Corbin and Ben, ABC Sport across the country. Jace, welcome. Yes, uh, good afternoon, Ben. Corbin, how are you? Uh, we're very well, thanks. Uh, how are you going? Obviously, the team had to make the mad dash out of Sydney to make it to Melbourne. Uh, what's the week been like? Yeah, look, it's been an interesting week. We obviously started the week uh, normal preparations uh, at uh, Tom Wills at, uh, at at Sydney Olympic Park at our training base. But well, we were probably aware last Saturday, uh, liaising with the AFL Saturday and then again on Sunday, that there was a possibility at some stage we may have to move and it might be quite sudden. So, yeah, when that call come through, uh, losing track of days this week, on Tuesday afternoon at uh, 4 o'clock, that we needed to be at the airport by 7 to fly out on charter flight at 8, it was, um, yeah, just quickly get into action and, and, and round up the troops. So... Yep, we arrived. Uh, we arrived uh, late that night. Yesterday was it was actually good as part of our schedule. It was our scheduled uh, players' day off, so that really gave us a great opportunity logistically to to get things planned for today's main training and and obviously the captains' run Saturday with both our AFL and VFL playing on uh, on Sunday. Now, the role of the footy manager, Jason, is you deal with a lot of logistics and people's lives trying to organise themselves. And I imagine when you've got three hours to say, look, get everything together and get on a plane and we're going for an indefinite period of time. What are a couple of the logistical headaches that you had to deal with, whether it's sort of pets that needed to be looked after on short notice? What are some of the things that uh, you were confronted with? 
Yeah, look, I must admit, the, the players and staff are absolutely amazing. And I, I suppose, unfortunately, in a way, we're, we're a bit used to, you know, the, the changing landscape with what we all went through last year and, and different things. So the, the most interesting uh, component we had, which is, uh, which is a big one, we actually couldn't get hold of our property steward. Uh, we just endlessly making calls and, and, and couldn't get through to him. And uh, I spoke to uh, Adi Swegler, our property steward, probably about 5.30. And he'd uh, just got back from walking his dog, didn't have great reception. <laughs> and he, uh, when he got reception, he had about 50 missed calls and messages. So he was never going to be able to turn around in that amount of time with all the property and everything. So we're very, very fortunate. Uh, the club and where AD lived uh, being in a green zone and not an orange zone at the time, which obviously went red at 1am in the morning. So he was able to get to work uh, packing up all the property and everything and was able to then fly down uh, yesterday. So we got all bar one on that flight on Tuesday night and got out and then the, uh, the precious cargo of the property steward with everything else arrived the next day. <laughs> it's a very good story. Uh, Jace, how long have you been told you can expect to be away for? Oh, well, it's a changing landscape, but at the moment it was in discussions with some people at the AFL today with a, with a view to um, obviously playing this Sunday against Hawthorne at the MCG and we're already scheduled the following week, whatever day that lands, to play at the MCG against Melbourne and our VFL was playing against Casey. So we've set ourselves and in those discussions with the AFL today, it's about that period of, of this week and, and next weekend uh, with a view then to go back to Sydney but we, we also understand it's just monitoring the situation of what's unfolding uh, back home and, and what the border restrictions uh, may or may not be but our, our focus is at the moment the excitement around this next two weeks being in Melbourne and playing at the MCG. I understand that fairness is second in many ways to getting games away at the moment but you are losing out this week at least a game that would be played at Giant Stadium. So have yep. there been any level of discussions about uh, that being reinstated or an extra home game or something of the like later in the season, if possible? No, it hasn't been. And that's obviously something that Dave Matthews, our CEO, have been in discussions with the AFL around. But it's just, like I said, you know, we're just getting, unfortunately, used to the, the changing landscape and I suppose the fluidity of how things are happening now and, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, whether that game can be made up somewhere along the track, I don't know. But, yeah, we just – we couldn't be – we'd love to be playing, obviously, at uh, Giant Stadium this weekend or at our second home in Canberra, but that's not possible either. So the next best venue for us is certainly at the MCG because it's a ground that um, outside of playing finals here, and we've had some big finals and a grand final there, we, we often don't get great opportunities to play there. So this is this is a bonus for us in the end, and that's the way we're treating it. Very nice win there, of course, earlier in the year against the Pies as well, and now back-to-back games at the G uh, for the G-Men over the, the next couple of weeks. You got the chance to train there today, Jason McCartney. It's very rare that sides get the chance to get on the G. Um, how did you organise that, and, and what sort of experience was that like? It certainly is rare, and we've, we're very grateful for the MCC for allowing us to train uh, train there today. Look, when we were planning the logistics yesterday around training, obviously we've hosted some AFL clubs whilst they were in Sydney uh, for training over the last few weeks. So 
there's been a number of them have reached out and, and, and where we're staying in the city, in the close vicinity to, to use their facilities. Um, so we're going down that path, but uh, it was one Leon mentioned to me, is it worthwhile reaching out? And it's a bit of a, a, uh, a throw at the stumps, not thinking it'd probably come off and spoke to the AFL and they spoke with the MCC and we were, we were wrapped when that come back that we could train there today. So yeah, great experience for the players. Like our list has probably transformed a little bit over the last year or two. So we've got a number of players who've played in big games and finals there in the grand final, obviously the prelim. But there's also a number of younger players that, that, that haven't uh, played there or played the round uh, earlier in the year when we played against Collingwood. So, yeah, great experience for our main training session to be at the home of footy. Can I just ask you a couple of broader ones to do with the Giants, um, Jason, before we let yep. you go? Yeah, no problems. I'm sure you're getting this question a lot at the moment, but Josh Kelly obviously has a trigger in his contract at the moment. Have you, have you got a timeline uh, as to when you're expecting to, to hear an answer from Josh? No, no, Josh is going really well. No timeline on it. Uh, obviously, I've been working pretty closely with his manager, Paul Connors, around around this, as you do with all managers of the players that are coming out of contract. Um, and obviously, it's probably, in a funny way, me being down here now. We haven't had a lot of access to the managers over the last 12 mm-hmm. months. And when Sydney opened up, you saw a few up there. But, yeah, for, for me, it'll be with uh, not only Paul, but a number of other managers over this next two weeks catching up and progressing a lot of discussions we've been having online about a number of our players. Does it affect your decision-making process on other guys, whether he's in or out, Kelly? No, well, most of our boys, no, it doesn't, because most of our boys this year, there's only a couple more really to work through that are out of contract this year. Uh, Jacob Hopper's another one with with Paul and Robbie DeRazio, but we're really confident we'll we'll get something done there. Um, and then it's really, it's moving on to a number of players that are starting to come out next year and discussions with the, uh, those players' managers about extensions as well. Jason, we've seen Toby Green lead this GWS Giants team. Stephen Cornelio is the captain at the moment with Toby Green stepping in. The co-captaincy model has worked really well with Ward and also Davis. Could you see... Yep a future in which Toby Green and Stephen Cornelio are co-captains at GWS beyond this season? Yeah, look, it's one you're spot on. It has worked really well with Callum and uh, Phil uh, for that first virtually eight-year period. Uh, so that, that has worked, and we've seen it work at other clubs. Obviously, Stephen, last year, first time in, it's a fairly challenging year to step into a role as a captain when we're going through what uh, everyone was going through. So... Yeah, look, Toby's really grown uh, last year and this year as a leader. Toby's the first to admit that he hasn't changed much. Uh, Toby talks about it pretty in simplistic terms. He tosses the coin. He says a couple of words just before the centre bounce and he goes and plays. So I think uh, so. he's doing an amazing role and that's what you want your leadership group to do. So uh, Toby, uh, Josh Kelly, Matt DeBoer, Phil Davis, uh, Jacob Hopper stepping into the role this year for the first time. Lockie Whitfield and others. So they're all playing their role. So that's how you see an effective leadership uh, group working and it's working really well. And it's not, I think it's been lost a little bit on some that uh, Stephen is still with us and Stephen plays an enormous role as, in his role as captain throughout the week in the leadership meetings. And it's been wonderful for Stephen's development as well. Obviously we'd love to have him out there on the field playing, which he's only probably a week away from returning now, which is great. But he's actually been spending a lot of time uh, when we've been playing our VFL matches in Sydney, 
coaching a line and working really closely with a lot of our young draftees. So uh, that's been really beneficial for both parties. So we're really confident in just the overall growth of our leadership group. So it's something we, we haven't really given any consideration to at this point in time. Does it get reviewed yearly? Is it something you'll look at and think, oh, what's the best way we can sort of divvy up this leadership group each year? Or is it pretty much what we've got now is what we'll have for at least 2022 and beyond? No, like anything, everything's reviewed in a, in a football program um, each year. So we'll review all components. Um, you're constantly, you're reviewing weekly and then obviously uh, bigger picture around structure, change in structure and different things. And the leadership group is something that um, we go through a process and assessment of. We, we had a couple of changes from last year uh, to this year. So all those things, it's just an end of year. How's it work, pros and cons and, and, and how we move forward with it. Shane Mumford, who's obviously one of the most popular um, figures going around in terms of the, the playing group there at GWS, would you look at extending Shane again for 2022, even in a capacity the same way we sort of see Tyson Goldsack obviously playing or on Port Adelaide's list at the moment, um, even as somewhat of a stable pony to have him around and then uh, a break glass in case of emergency. Have you looked at anything like that for 2022? Uh, Shane does joke to, with me around that often. <laughs> look, uh, it's it's something we, well, look, in all fairness, we, we went down this path and when I first arrived at the club, that was the first year Shane was out of the game and we knew with some players moving out and he was just so fit with his training for boxing and he'd sort of the time away from the game uh, had healed a lot of those war wounds that he'd... Uh, I suppose um, got over the, a long period of time such a combative nature he plays in that ruck position. So it started out as one year, and that would have been 2018, and here we are, or 2019, and here we are now. It's, uh, it's ended up being three years. So I don't envisage there's probably another year in Shane, and he's probably the first to admit that he's managing his body very carefully now and playing a really important role on field and what he's doing with firstly Braden Proust who came to the club mm. who unfortunately has been injured but uh, Kieran Briggs and Matt Flynn have benefited greatly from the tutelage of Shane Mumford. Uh, another guy who's benefited from him is Jesse Hogan who's obviously living with him at the moment. We had Jesse on Grandstand AFL a couple of weeks ago spoke sensationally about his experiences and obviously still a relatively or still is a young man and yet he feels like he's been around yep. for a long time in footy terms. Um, wh what have you been able to do with Jess, I guess, to get the best out of him and to, to get him in a position that he's he's in now? Yeah, well, his football, when he's he's had obviously the issues, just some, some injury issues, but the football he's played when his two AFL games has been exceptional for us and the lead into his first AFL game He's really strong in the, the three VFL outings. So it's just, it's like anything. Look, he's he's been at Melbourne, he's been at Frio. It's, you know, that third chance and he's really knuckled down. And the living arrangement with Shane and uh, Shane's family has been exceptional. It's just getting that, getting the off-field balance right with the living and then, you know, getting that, being comfortable in a new group and obviously, you know, the different ways we, we do things to what he's seen in the past and different uh, game style and things. So we've just allowed him to just settle at his own pace. I would think the other thing which can't be underestimated is the fact that he's had great expectation on him as a 17-year-old at Melbourne Footy Club and then obviously the big name recruit going back home to WA to play at Fremantle. He's probably hasn't got the burden of expectation. He's really only got the pressure he puts on himself. And he's a high achiever and wants to, to play and play well. So 
the external pressure is probably not there. To be honest, probably most people externally probably think he'll fail. So I think he's really flourished in our environment and, and our system um, and probably a little, little bit less uh, spotlight on, on him as a player. So all going well again, he's a player that will return uh, player availability and be back ready to play next week at either AFL VFL level. Uh, Jason, enjoy your time down here in Melbourne as best you can. We've all got our fingers crossed that things clear up in uh, in uh, Sydney sooner rather than later. Uh, and good luck at the MCG over the next uh, two weeks. Appreciate your time on ABC Sport across Australia. No worries. Thanks very much. Good chatting. You take care. Absolutely, you too. Jason McCartney with us, the uh, the Giants footy boss, as we head into round 15 there on Sunday, Ben, just after 1 o'clock at the MCG against the Hawks. You've got a pretty big game yourself on Sunday, the uh, the Eagles and the Dogs over there at Perth Stadium. We do. We'd call it the Great Western, but that's taken, isn't it? Yes, Between uh, it is. GWS that's... and the Western Bulldogs. Or is it only you who uses no, it's, that, it's widely uh, used. Monica? It's becoming uh, I know more. it's widely used. I'd heard it frequently. Brett Delidio and Brendan Goddard hadn't somehow and tried to give Maybe you credit for it. Neither had Tim Taranto or no. um, we had, I think we asked Aaron Norton about it. Well, you know so what I'm, I'm like, to, Corbin. I'm happy to take the credit to, for it. No, I don't want to see you get any credit. I was on the blower <laughs> texting Brett Delidio, texting Brennan Goddard saying, gents, mm. it's not Corbin's. Don't give him the recognition. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I still don't think West Coast can beat the Western Bulldogs. I, I'd take the Western Bulldogs in that game. I, I'm still not take a believer in West Coast. Well, wow. Yep. I haven't been all year, Corbin. I'll, I'll stick yep. fat. No Trelaw, no Dunkley. We'll be okay. Isolation in... Shuey first week back. In Jundalup. So they still have to. That's, that is very commonly said over here. That's to be it, fair, I think you've been about as. To fix or so. You've been to uh, Jundalup as, about as often as uh, Mitch Cleary has, I reckon, in your time, Corbin. Just south Geraldton. It's a nice little place. Uh, Jundalup. It's a little north of the river for me. Perth's yeah. very much divided into north and south, and uh, I've always grown up. South of the River. Uh, this is Corbin and Ben. I'm looking at my list here, Ben. I've got uh, the World Test Championship. I've got the Olympics. I've got the NBA playoffs. Talk a little NFL. Are we going to get all that in? We are. This is Corbin and Ben, ABC Sport. The footy tonight, Brisbane and Geelong, a pr- uh, rematch of last year's preliminary final. You can hear it all here on ABC Sport Digital or on ABC Radio throughout the southern states. Corbin and Ben, ABC Sport. In winter, echidnas are snuggled up in their little burrows. You can snuggle in too with Bluey on ABC iView. Okay, ready? Ready. I'm so excited. Or Doctor Who, or The Wonder Gang, or David Attenborough, or The Investigators. It's always very exciting. Don't be surprised by the selection of jaw-dropping, mind-blowing, snuggle-worthy family favourites. Unexpected. I know. Wow. Stream for free now on ABC iView. everything I ever wanted. I'm on my own. Corbin and Ben, ABC Sport. I think our lines just dropped out momentarily, so it's all me. Corbin and Corbin. ABC Sport across the country. I think he's... Are you back with me, Ben? He's not. We'll check in with Ben in just a moment. Footy tonight. Brisbane Lions up against Geelong. Of course, you can hear that. From the Gabba tonight, Quentin Hull heading up the call team. Round 15, I hadn't even got into what I wanted to talk about, and he's back with us. You there, Ben? I am. I'm back. Sorry, cool. Corbin. We got lost somewhere over the Nullarbor. Yes. I think... Uh, I didn't like the promo. Our enemies in other uh, 
networks are trying to bring us down, Ooh. such as the success story of Corbin and Ben. Are there other networks? On ABC Sport. Um, where are we headed, Corbin? Uh, do you run Don't the forget show? we've got either or still yep. to come. What do you want I to want to talk about? about the World Test Championship. Now, I think I can take the lead on this, given uh, you've proven that you weren't really across what was going to happen in the match, thinking it was going to end a draw. Uh, fantastic by the Kiwis. This is... As much as it has been revered, I think it's been undersold that this is one of the great David versus Goliath triumphs in our sporting lifetime. A nation of 5 million people just beat a nation of 1 billion rabid cricket fans for the in the ultimate test, the World Test Championship. And more than that, Corbin, they did it playing in the spirit of the game, the way that we would like teams to... They don't sledge. And uh, Corbin, I think they proved the point. The nice guys don't always finish last. And uh, more so than that, what I loved is when they won, did you see Kane Williamson's celebration? Yes. There was absolutely no histrionics. A little uh, banker's handshake, I reckon, just very accountant-like. And on to the next. They have had... Uh, a lot of misfortune in high leverage moments in the past. And obviously, look at the Cricket World Cup, the 50 over version. Six times they made the semi finals before they'd been able to qualify for a final. Eventually, did in that obviously tense final over in New Zealand, leading to the 2015 decider. Ultimately, lost to Australia. And then in 2019, they never really lost the final and yet didn't mm. walk away with the trophy either. And now they, they break through to win here. They're as deep a squad, I think, that there is in the world, Ben. To think that they probably have 15, 16, 17 players that they can call upon. They made six changes from the Lord's Test to Birmingham. And then from the Birmingham Test to the Ultimate Test, they made another five changes. So um, they're able to, to to swing it around consistently with a, with a, a large mm. group. Cole Jamison was fantastic. to picked up the two big wickets, Coley and Pajara, to ultimately win the game. They still needed eight just to bowl India out on the morning of what was day six. So take nothing away from them. But would you... Now you're going to. Do you think New Zealand are the best cricket team in the world? I think that's why we have the World Test Championship, to Mm -hmm. decide that. And this is the outcome we've arrived at. So so this reminds me... would be yes. Okay, this reminds me a lot of the World Test Championship. Reminds me a lot of the fight game. And you know I love to bring bring everything back to boxing. Mm. What happens, Ben, in boxing is the sample size is so small where essentially what you want to do is you want to watch every team in test cricket play against each other home and away at the same time. But it can't happen. The same way in boxing, they only fought, fight, what, four times a year, and that's nice. a that's a heavy load. Some of the best only fought twice a year. So you're always trying to say, who's the best middleweight in the world? Who's the best welterweight? And things are always changing at any particular time. The quality of opposition you're up against, matchmaking styles, you can't always accurately predict who the best is. So people come up with, um, as, as we do with our power rankings, they come up with... What's the word I'm searching for? They're pound for pound lists, obviously. And, and what that essentially is, is just people's estimation on who they think is the best at any one time. If I was doing my cricket pound for pound list, Ben, I wouldn't have New Zealand as the best team in the world. And that's to take nothing away from this achievement. It's great. Would you have them second? I'd probably, probably. Yeah, I, I think. So you'd, you'd still have India one. I think India's the best team in the world. If, if you can come to Australia twice, something that they've never done, and beat Australia, one I think fully that speaks loaded, more to the one half of Australia. Breaks, no way. Australia on their day look like the best team in the world still. 
they got Smith and Warner back, and they still come down here and win with a uh, talk about deep squads. They need a lot of players to get it done. Whole bowling attack depleted. They still come down to Australia and win. Uh, it's it's India for me in in multiple conditions. You couldn't Australia is so different to what they play in, in front of at home. Whereas in New Zealand's case, I would actually make the case that the conditions they got in the ultimate test are not are more comparable to what they play in at home. The last time we saw New Zealand and Australia, they got absolutely walloped. They, they They've never significantly like, improved since yeah, then. But they were never. And again, this is where sample size comes into it. We haven't seen it recently. That was the the last time that we have to draw upon. So. I think in in, in 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 any different number of conditions, I would still think if I put my finger in the wind bend, as you know I like to mm. do, I would say India is mm. the best team in the world. Yeah, I think New Zealand have significantly improved since we last saw them here in Australia. And the thing that intrigues me is why are they able to do these things? So how does – let's use Daryl Mitchell as an example, Corbin. Yep. You were covering grey cricket 10 years ago, right? And Daryl Mitchell was a serviceable all-rounder in grey cricket – in WA. He was above average. He was above average. Yep. Now he's a serviceable test cricketer. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? How did New Zealand do that? Well, they get the most out of what they got. They're a great squad, good culture. And that's that's the... Good attitude. The devil in the detail, isn't it? Mm. How they do that. Oh, I think they deserve all manner of praise. Oh, I, I New agree. New Zealand. And I, I, and I, I sit agree. up and watch well, a lot of cricket overseas, as you know, Corbin. Yes, and, we always be and all I'm a I'm just more of a believer than you. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, the Olympics, Ben. We're 29 days away from mm. the Olympic Games. Justice Hooney, unfortunately, won't be there. We've had Justice on this show a couple of times, and you can hear it in his voice how passionate he is about the Olympic Games and what this dream means to him. And unfortunately, he's having surgery on both hands, a left thumb fracture, and he's also got what we refer to as boxer's knuckle on his right hand. Is this he- bad news this early in his career? Uh, no. Sorry to interrupt. No, okay, no, no. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, it just it it's timing. I mean, this thing rolls around once every four years. They've had to wait five years on this occasion. He turned pro in the meantime. He's already um, achieved things as a professional heavyweight that you know people haven't done in like a hundred years. Winning the Australian title on debut, he had a big time prize fight against Paul Gallon last week. He's got the world ahead of him as a pro, but unfortunately, his Olympic dream, Ben, has, has come and gone. And mm. he won't be there to represent Australia. He was a medal hopeful. I know people say, no, he could have won gold. Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan, the two guys in his division, have been one and two in the super heavyweights and have been for three years. So I think they'll be hard to dislodge. They finished one, two at the world champs. And I think that they're on track for the, the gold and silver, but certainly could have gained, uh, been in line for a medal. And who knows on his day with his pro experience whether he was able to usurp one of them. We haven't won a medal, Ben, for our boxing team since 1988. And we've only won five ever. Wow, who was that? Never won gold. Oh, I think it was uh, Graham Chaney, I think, was the last one in 88 in Seoul, won silver. But five medals ever, two silvers, three bronze, never won a gold medal. Um, and so now the boxing mm. team's down to five. So three and men and two women. You say it rolls around every four years. It doesn't for him. This was his only chance because he's going to turn pro now. Yes. Um, and so it was now or never for him. He's not going to get the chance to go to another Olympics. So uh, justice is done in that respect, moves on to his pro career, Mm. uh, although he is already pro. Do you think in any way he would regret the Paul Gallon fight now that this has happened? Uh, I hope he doesn't because it'll be the platform that'll launch him as a household name in Australia, or certainly if he's not a household name, he's known to sporting fans in a way that he wasn't previously. But could it have not waited? Uh, 
the time was the time was now. It's time to go for for Justice Hooney. And what I think he will regret more, Ben, or what he should regret more, rather than everything that came from Paul Gallen and the money that he earned from that and his fledgling pro career, is if the pandemic hadn't happened and the Olympics were last year. He, he should have been done with the Olympics, Ben. Mm. It should be out of the way. And yet that got kicked down the road, obviously, another year. So there's a whole lot of sliding doors moments for a lot of professional athletes. And, and unfortunately for Justice, he's won. The NBA playoffs, Ben, we're both getting into this a lot. Um, Trey Young today, just an amazing individual performance. So he was responsible for 72 of the 116 points the Atlanta Hawks scored, either through uh, him scoring them or through assisted points. The Hawks are 6-2 and two on the road this playoffs. They take game one from Milwaukee in Milwaukee to lead the Eastern Conference Finals 1-zip. They're the Cinderella story. They're so easy to root for. And for Giannis Antetokounmpo, he's got all the pressure on him now as he's trying to uh, lead his team back into this series, having just mm. dropped home court. And it's all set up for Giannis, isn't it? Mm. The Lakers are out. All he's, of his main challenges seem to have fallen away. He's the best individual player left. Yep. And, and what, we, what we speak about in NBA and basketball is that Generally, it starts with the best player on the floor. So you're 20% of the team. If you're you know, one of the greatest players on the floor, then you're a chance to be more than that if you can elevate your game in the playoffs. So he's got this golden opportunity, having knocked out Kevin Durant with the assistance of James Harden, potentially Kyrie Irving if he'd come back. And now it's all there for him. So what impact does that pressure have on him when he tries to take on... Um, Trey Young and these Atlanta Hawks. I must admit, I am hoping for an Atlanta-Phoenix showdown in the finals. Mm, I think that would be great. The, 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 the story of this playoffs so far awesome. has been the emergence, I think, of particularly Trey Young, but those mm-hmm. two in particular in the, the real top echelon of NBA stars, hasn't and, it? And Devin Booker. Yeah. I spe- sorry, I didn't mention yep. Devin, but yeah. yeah. Donovan Mitchell's another one. I know they're out. I mean, injuries have played such a role, but we're going to get a new champion. And I think a lot of the time when people look at overseas sports, whether it's the English Premier League or the NBA, you think it's the same teams every year. So it's always, you know, Man United or Man City or whoever it is in the EPL. And so when a story like Leicester comes along, it's it's so uplifting. The the NBA is you play seven games in a series. So the best team always wins, Ben, over seven games. It's like a test match. The wrong team doesn't win a test. When you've got five days to decide it, two innings, the best team's always going to win. Same with the NBA playoffs. But because of the injury toll, it's created a certain randomness that's made it so much more interesting. Mm. LeBron lost AD. They went out in the first round. There's been injuries the whole way through. And so the last eight teams that were left, Ben, five of them had never won a title. And the most recent champion was the Philadelphia 76ers in the early 80s. And now with the remaining four teams in the... What division are we? In the Western Conference, Phoenix and the LA Clippers have never won. So if either of them go on to win the whole thing, they'll be a first-time champion. And the Eastern Conference finalist, Ben, Atlanta last won in 1958 and the Milwaukee Bucks last won in 1971. So for the first time in 50 years, we're either going to get a new champion or a team that hasn't won in half a century. So it's some great storylines for the franchises as we, uh, we near the end. Can I ask you a question without notice? Ben Simmons yep. not likely to play for the Boomers in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. What's your immediate reaction to that? Uh, understandable. Short seasons pushed together. Uh, you had the bubble year, obviously, which was elongated. A bunch of injuries. He didn't play well, obviously, with his team exiting. I think a lot of the stars will miss. I think the guys that do go will be the younger members 
or the more role player types that Australia will have representing them in you know Mills and Ingles and those kind of guys. Do you think he owes anything to Australia to show up and play? Why would he want to play for Australia? So it depends how deep you want to get into it. But the last time Ben Simmons was here, Ben, we ran him out, we ran him out of town. Mm. Absolutely ran him out of t- town when he, he came down and obviously didn't play for the Boomers as part of that. So That was bizarre to me, that whole episode. Yeah. I, I don't think he'll be there, and I think the Boomers will still be a medal chance without him. Either or, Ben? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Corbin, either or, State of Origin Rugby League on a Wednesday or a Sunday? Ooh, uh, Wednesday for me. I like the mm. midweek time slot. I understand the appeal of the Sunday, and I, I lived through it when they actually moved it for the first time and worked that game in Sydney, but uh, I think as a national spectacle, it's better on a Wednesday night because you're able to capture Aussie rules fans, footy fans, more on a Wednesday night than you are on a Sunday when they've got their own code running in competition with it. So Wednesday night, I think, for the the truly national scope. I tend to agree with you. Okay. Would you rather win either a World Cup final, as in the 50-over format, Mm -hmm. or a World Test Championship final? Easy one. World Cup final, without doubt. It's got a lot of history to it. It's more prestige. And we're sitting here today debating whether they're even the best test team in the world, given the way that it's played over three and a half years. So uh, 50 over tournament, it's it's something special that the 50 over game has that um, I think really is is why we play the format and what makes it so great. So yeah, 50 over World Cup. Now, World Test Championship for me. Oh, That's why we're different, Corbin. Please. Six days in the dirt, it's, grinding with your mates, a, doing all of the dirty it's, work. It's not even the biggest prize you can win. In Test Cricket, would you rather win the Ashes or would you rather win the World Test Championship? Now I'm throwing questions at you. You'd rather win the Ashes. So it's I'd not rather win the Ashes, abs- but only two teams can win the Ashes. Yeah, New Zealand don't get the chance to win the it, Ashes, It can't bro. even be a pinnacle. It's, it's like saying, would you rather win Wimbledon or would you rather win an Olympic gold medal in tennis? Well, of course you'd rather win Wimbledon. Okay, fine. Moving on. Are you more of either a Tony Cochran... Yep. Or a Peter Goodwin guy? Uh, more a Tony Cochran guy. Good for the game. <laughs> but I'm more for Tassie's cause, if that makes sense. I'm happy for Tassie to have a team before you all start adding me. Most likely to be coaching Carlton next year will be either David Teague or someone else. Uh, someone else. Okay, I've got I'll a couple more. Cats or dogs? Either the cats or the dogs in the AFL this year. Oh, cats. Mm. As pets... Either cats or dogs. I'd love to say dogs, but I'm probably more at heart a cat person. I don't have the time or the energy for the dogs, unfortunately. That'll That's all we've got time for. Footy tonight, uh, Brisbane and Geelong here on ABC Sport Digital. We're back Monday from 5. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.